Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with 11 Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me today. I hope everything's going well for you today. I want to ask you to please forgive my voice. I've been battling a pretty bad sinus infection, and it's really gotten to my voice. Um, voice is actually better, but I'm still not there yet, but that's okay. We can't have 30 minutes of dead air, right? <laughs> even if I can only whisper, I want to talk about Jesus. So even with a rough voice, we're going to talk about Jesus this morning and give him all glory and just dive into his word. And I hope you're ready to do that today. Last week, we looked at the preeminence of Jesus. We talked about how he has all authority over everything. And if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go check out our Love in Action podcast and listen to it there. Our podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll be able to find the Love in Action podcast. So I encourage you to check it out and also subscribe to our podcast. We'd appreciate that. But today we're going to begin looking at the person of Christ and talk about how Jesus is fully God and fully man, yet one person. But before we go there, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are Almighty God, the one and only true God, and that you love us. You love us so much, Lord. It's hard hard for us to comprehend how much you truly love us. We thank you for your word that you give us. What a privilege it is to know that you give us your word for us to read, for us to study, for us to meditate on, for us to apply to our lives so we can learn more about you, learn more about what our purpose is here on this earth, and just learn to live like you want us to live. Because God, as so many of us have figured out, when we live for you, we truly have real life, and that's the only real life. And so, Father, I just want to lift everyone up listening today. I just ask your guidance on each life. Lord, uh, each need we present to you, Father God, those who may be battling sickness. There's a lot of people that I know who are sick with different kinds of sicknesses right now, Lord, and I just want to lift them up and everyone else out there who is battling some kind of illness. Lord, just pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring healing, and Father, that that the sickness would just be over with, Lord, and we we can move on and be healthy. And Lord, help those who don't know you yet, Jesus, to tune in today and to learn more about you and to realize you truly are the Son of God. You truly are Savior of mankind and that they need you in their lives. Lord, for Christians, I pray that each believer will just have a desire to want to be in your word more, to grow more in you. So, Father, just uh, help us all to follow you, Lord Jesus, and just to be filled with your spirit, telling others about you, and making disciples who can make disciples. So, Father, we give you this time. We ask your Holy Spirit to teach us to guide us, lead us into all truth. For it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We have a lot to cover today, so uh, buckle in. And if you're able to follow along in Scripture, please do, because it's always good to see the Word for yourself. So I encourage you to do that. To summarize biblical teaching about the person of Jesus, we can say this. Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man and one person and will be forever. Let me repeat that. Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man in one person, and will be so forever. We teach about the person of Christ in our Bible Doctrine Systematic Theology class here at Leaven Action, where we have our Leaven Action School of Discipleship. So I thought as we get closer to Resurrection Sunday, that would be a good time to teach that doctrine about the person of Christ. Studying the doctrine of Christ, I believe, is a must for every believer. You really dig into the Word deeper, and you learn so much more 
about our Lord and Savior, and it helps you to build a stronger and deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what it's about. We want to be closer to Jesus. We want to just be so in tune with him, walk with him, talk with him, be united with him. And the more we get into his word, the more we learn about Jesus in his word, the stronger our relationship with them becomes. And that's what we need. We need more of Jesus in our lives so we can share more of Jesus with others. This week, we're going to look at the humanity of Christ. So the person of Christ, remember I said he's fully God and fully man. So today, we're going to look at the human side of Christ. We know from scripture about his virgin birth. We hear those sermons and messages all the time, especially around Christmas time. So we, we know about his virgin birth. It was prophesied in the Old Testament and fulfilled in the New Testament. And how did this happen? You ever thought about that? How did this happen? How did Mary give birth to a baby while still a virgin? Scripture tells us it was a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. And that's how it happened, the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. Now, how exactly he did that, I have no idea. But he did. And Jesus was born of a virgin. And we read about it in Matthew 1.18, where we read, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. So see, we see again right there, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. Her and Joseph had not been together yet, and she still became pregnant. The Holy Spirit caused that to happen. Then in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, we read, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Joseph, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we see the birth of Jesus fulfilled that prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The same fact is affirmed in Luke's gospel, where we read about the appearance of the angel Gabriel to Mary. When Mary asked Gabriel, how could this happen when she is still a virgin? And Gabriel said in Luke 1.35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So scriptural affirmation of the virgin birth of Jesus alone should give us sufficient evidence to embrace this fact and this doctrine. However, there are critical doctrinal implications of the virgin birth that really illustrates its importance, and we're going to look at that. First, it shows that salvation ultimately must come from the Lord. Salvation can never come through human effort. It must be supernatural, the supernatural work of God. That fact is evident in the very beginning of Jesus' life. Let's read Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So we see and we understand that we cannot keep the law. We can't save ourselves from our sins, which is disobedience unto God. Only the Son of God can do that. And secondly, the virgin birth made possible the uniting of full deity and full humanity in one person. In his wisdom, God ordained a combination of human and divine influence in the birth of Christ so that his full humanity would be evident to us from the fact of his ordinary human birth from a human mother, and his full deity would be evident 
from the fact of his conception of Mary's womb by the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. So you see how God brought full deity, full humanity together through the virgin birth of Jesus. And thirdly, the virgin birth also makes possible Jesus' true humanity without inherited sin. Because of Adam, because of his sin, we all have inherited legal guilt and a corrupt nature. That's because Adam was the first father of humans. We inherit his sin. But the fact that Jesus did not have a human father means that the line of descent from Adam is partially interrupted. Jesus did not descend from Adam in exactly the same way in which every other human being has descended from Adam. And this helps us to understand why the legal guilt and moral corruption that belonged to all human beings did not belong to Christ. So the question is, why did Jesus not inherit a sinful nature from Mary? Have you ever thought about that? So we know he couldn't inherit sinful nature from Joseph because Joseph was not his father. Our Heavenly Father is his father. Yet he was born from a human, from a mother, and that being Mary. So why didn't Jesus inherit that sinful nature from her? Now, Catholicism wrongly teaches that Mary was without sin, but we know that's not true. Nowhere in Scripture teaches that, and we know no human being is without sin. So you can throw that out the window. It just doesn't make any sense either when you think about that because Mary would have inherited that sin nature from her mother and her father. So we can toss that out the window. I think a better answer is to say that the Holy Spirit and Mary somehow prevented not only the transmission of sin from Joseph or Jesus' non-human father, but also in a miraculous way, the transmission of sin from Mary. Because remember, Gabriel told Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. His holiness is of God, not of Mary. So that's why Jesus did not inherit that human sinful nature and grew up like you and I did, yet he never sinned. I know the virgin birth can be hard for some to accept uh, because it's mind-blowing. But you must remember this. God tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So you just have to believe and know that God is God and he can do anything. Nothing is impossible for him. God can do anything, including that virgin birth, making that happen. However he did, other than the work of the Holy Spirit, I I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, and he was born without sin and never sinned. So when thinking about the person of Christ, I think it's easier for most of us to think about his divinity. It is for me anyway, more than his humanness. It's easy to think of Jesus as divine, the Holy One who saves us from our sins, who gives us eternal life in heaven. But to think of him as one of us and living in this world like us, I think that can be a little harder to grasp sometimes. But we need to understand that he was fully human while at the same time fully God. We know Jesus had a human body. Therefore, he experienced human weakness and limitations. And I think that's one part we have a hard time thinking about Jesus because he's Almighty God. But at the same time, he's fully human, so he had that human body, so he had to experience the same things that we do. And we know that he did through reading the Scripture. Reading uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 7, we know Jesus was born just like you and me, and he grew through childhood to adulthood just as you and I grew up. Luke chapter 2, verse 40 says that, And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. We know Jesus experienced being tired. In John chapter 6, verse 
In John chapter 4, verse 6, we read, Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. So see, he was tired. He was weary from his journey, and he was sitting there resting. He became thirsty on the cross. I thirst, we read in John chapter 19, verse 28. He experienced hunger, Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, after fasting for 40 days. And that's the point at which a human being's physical strength is almost entirely gone and beyond which irreparable harm will occur if the fast continues. He was at that point of damage being done to his body because he had not eaten in 40 days. So he experienced hunger. And in Matthew 4, verse 11, we read that angels came to minister to him and apparently to care for him and provide nourishment until he regained enough strength to come out of the wilderness. We know he came out of the wilderness and he began his ministry. The culmination of Jesus' limitations in terms of his human body was seen when he died on the cross. We see that in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. His human body ceased to have life. No life left in it. And it ceased to function, just as our bodies will one day when we die. It won't function anymore. There won't be life in it anymore. So we see Jesus fully human experiencing all of this. So it's evident that he was fully human. There's no doubt about that. He lived this life just like you and me, except one major thing. Jesus did not sin. He lived the perfect life that you and I aren't capable of living If we were able to live perfectly under the law of Moses, then Jesus wouldn't have had to come. He wouldn't have had to do what he did. But it was impossible for any human being to do that. However, what's impossible for us is possible for God. There's nothing impossible for God. And Jesus proved that. And after he died, Jesus did something no one else has ever done. He arose from the dead in a physical body. Though it was one that was made perfect and was no longer subject to weakness, disease, or death, he demonstrates repeatedly to his disciples that he does have a real physical body. He said, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And we read that in Luke chapter 24, verse 39. Another fact Jesus rose with a physical body is the disciples gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it in front of them. And we read that in Luke chapter 24, verses 42 through 43. In this same body, though, again, it was a resurrected body that was made perfect, Jesus also ascended into heaven. He said before he left in John 16, 28, I came from the Father and have come into the world. And now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. The way Jesus ascended to heaven, it demonstrated the continuity that existed between his body and the physical body here on earth and his continuing existence in that body in heaven. So he had that body here on earth. And when he died and rose again, he rose back in a perfect body. And he met with his disciples and talked with them and was seen by so many people. And then when he was meeting with his disciples and he ascended to heaven, he was in that body. And he ascended to heaven in that perfect physical body. All of the evidence in Scripture shows us that Jesus had a physical body in every aspect, as you and I do, before the resurrection. And after his resurrection, he still had a physical body with flesh and bones, though it was made perfect. So forget about those descriptions of us floating around on clouds in a spiritual body for all eternity. You know, you've you've seen pictures of that and probably heard people talking about we're just going to kind of float around as a spirit. No, because we're going to be as Jesus is. And if Jesus has a perfect body, glorified body, we're going to the same way when he returns. And how do I know this? 
because that's what the Bible says. It says we will be just like Jesus when he returns and our bodies are raised from the dead as well. Our spirits will immediately go to heaven when we die. When we die, our, our body is, is done, and our spirits will immediately go to heaven if we've lived for Jesus here. If we don't live for Jesus here, then our spirit will go to hell. But if we live for Jesus here, we're going to go be with him and live with him forever, and our spirit will go be with him immediately. But when Jesus comes, when he comes again, our bodies and spirits will be reunited, and we will have a perfect glorified body just like Jesus. And a friend uh, of mine, he says, when we have that glorified body, that means we're all going to have abs. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that, but Our bodies will be perfect, just like Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So you see, one day, those who believe in Jesus and follow him here on earth, one day we're going to have that glorified body, and we're going to be just like Jesus. Another part of Jesus' humanity is he had a mind. He had a human mind. The fact that Jesus increased in wisdom that we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, says that he went through a learning process just as all other children do. We learn how to eat, how to talk, how to read, write, and how to be obedient to our parents, and he did the same thing. This ordinary learning process was part of the genuine humanity of Christ. So see, again, he lived like you and me. He went through different processes just like you and me in learning and gaining wisdom, yet he never did sin. Jesus had a soul and human emotions. Just before his crucifixion, Jesus said in John 12, 27, Now is my soul troubled. John writes a little later in chapter 13, verse 21, After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in spirit. As he took his last breath on the cross, Jesus says in Luke 23, 46, Then Jesus calling out, with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, breathe his last. Jesus had a full range of emotions. We read that he marveled at the faith of the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. We read that he wept with sorrow at the death of Lazarus, his good friend, in John eleven thirty-five. While Jesus was fully human, just as we are, Scripture also affirms that Jesus was different in one important aspect. As I've mentioned, he was without sin. He never committed sin during his lifetime. Some will argue that this means Jesus wasn't fully human if he didn't sin. What they fail to realize is that human beings are now in an abnormal situation. It's changed. Jesus changed everything. God did not create us sinful but holy and righteous. Adam and Eve, they were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned, and they were truly human, just as we are now. And they were communing with God. They were walking and talking with God, and they could only you could only do that, be in the presence of God as they were, if you were holy and if you were righteous. But we know sin came into the world through Adam and through Eve as they were tempted by Satan, and that messed up the whole relationship with God. And now humans live a life that It's not one that God created us to live. It doesn't match the pattern that God intended for us. But through Jesus Christ, then humanity is restored to God the Father. The sinlessness of Jesus is taught frequently in the New Testament. We see that Satan was unable to tempt Jesus successfully. He failed after 40 days to persuade Jesus to sin. We also see in the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 
that there's no evidence of wrongdoing on Jesus' part. To the Jews who were opposed to him, Jesus asked, which one of you convicts me of sin? We see that in John chapter 8, verse 46, and no one said anything. They couldn't answer it because they could not truly point out where he had sinned. The statements about Jesus' sinlessness are more explicit in John's gospel. Jesus made the amazing proclamation in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. If we understand light to represent both truthfulness and moral purity, then Jesus is here claiming to be the source of truth and the source of moral purity and holiness in the world. That's an astounding claim and one that can only be made by someone who was free from sin. Also significant is when Jesus was put on trial. And despite accusations of the Jews, Pilate could only conclude in, in John eighteen thirty-eight, I find no guilt in him. See, time after time, nobody can find guilt in Jesus. Jesus did not sin. And Hebrews four fifteen affirms that Jesus is one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Peter speaks of Jesus as a lamb without blemish or spot in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. The fact that Jesus was tempted in every aspect truly has great significance on our lives. As difficult as it may be for us to comprehend, Scripture affirms that in these temptations, Jesus gained an ability to understand and help us in our temptations because as we read in Hebrews 2.18, he himself has suffered when tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. The author goes on to connect Jesus's ability to sympathize with our weaknesses to the fact that he was tempted as we are. Let's read Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So praise God. When we go to Jesus, understand this, when we go to Jesus in prayer, that if we're struggling with something or there's a situation in our life and, and we just really need his help, which we need his help in everything, he understands because he lived this life just like you and me. Again, he is fully human and he is fully God, but he understands. So when we go to him, he understands. We go to him as we're mourning a loss of a loved one, he understands. We go to him when we're tired and we're weary, he understands. He's been there. He's done that. He's got the T-shirt. <laughs> he truly does get us. He understands. So go to him in full confidence of knowing that he understands. He can, he can sympathize with us. So he knows how to help us. He knows how to meet those needs. Let's wrap up this part of, on the humanity of Christ by saying this. If Jesus had not been a man, he could not have died in our place and paid the penalty that was due us. The author of Hebrews tells us that, For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people in order for him to be that substitute for you and for me. Jesus had to become man, not angel, because God was concerned with saving men. 
not with saving angels, but to do this, he had to be made like us in every way so that he might become the propitiation for us, the sacrifice that is an acceptable substitute for us, for you and for me. Unless Christ was fully man, he could not have died to pay the penalties of man's sins. He could not have been a substitute. He could not have been that substitute sacrifice for you and for me. There are also other reasons for the necessity of Jesus' humanity. Jesus had to be fully man as well as fully God to fulfill the role of a mediator between God and man. The fact that Jesus was a man and experienced temptations enabled him to sympathize more fully with us as our high priest. Jesus' humanity also provides an example and pattern for our lives. So all these reasons point to vital importance of affirming that Jesus was not only fully God, but he was fully man, and thus was able to fully secure our salvation. Praise God. In all of God's wisdom and in all of God's love for us, he sent Jesus into this world. Fully God, fully man. We know Jesus is is part of the triune God. He's one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus came and lived a perfect life here on this earth for you and for me because we couldn't. And he went through so much pain, so much suffering. You know, just, just coming to earth, leaving the splendor of heaven and coming to earth and being born in a stinky stable, being born human. I mean, that's, that's mind-blowing in and of itself. And then he grew up just like you and me, yet he didn't sin. And then for you and for me, he went to the cross and died this an excruciating death. Why? Because he loves us. And then on the third day, God raised him from the dead, brought him back to life, to live forever, to reign forever, and to offer eternal life for you and for me. He was the perfect substitute on that cross for you and me. We should be there. But God allowed his son Jesus to be there for us. So I want to ask you this morning, have you given your life to him? Why not if you haven't? What's stopping you? I want to encourage you and just plead with you this morning. Don't let anything or anyone stop you. We're talking about the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, loves you, died for you, came back to life to give you life and to give you life eternal. So I encourage you, call out on him this morning. Word of God tells us, if we call on the name of Jesus, we shall be saved. Repent of our sins, which means turning from our sinful lives and turning to Jesus and, and, and say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and to cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. I give you my life. I know I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose again on the third day. And I confess, Jesus, that you are my Lord and my Savior. I commit my life to you. Help me to live for you day by day. Fill me with your spirit and help me. I encourage you just to call out to him and pray. Pray that. Pray something like that. He, he meets you right where you're at. And he'll forgive you. He'll come in. And you'll have a new life. And if you make that decision, I encourage you to tell another believer 
if you want to if you want to tell me i encourage you call me 334-494-4995 is our number here at love and action 334-494-4995 you can email me at ken.tuck at love in action ministries.com ken.tuck at love in action ministries.com i'd love to hear from you i'd love to give you the next steps jesus loves you I want all of you to remember that as you go through this week. He loves you so much. And I encourage you, get into the Word of God. Open up the Word of God. Study it. Don't rush through it. Take your time. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. I encourage you to get involved in a Bible-teaching church who's making disciples. We teach discipleship here at Love and Action, and it's so... Well, it's just so amazing what God does through his word. And the more that we are in his word, the, the more we grow and the closer we get to him. So I encourage you, get into his word. Get with a group of people who are studying his word and who are uh, training and making disciples. You can find out more about the Love in Action School of Discipleship if you're interested in that at our website, loveinactionministries.com. But live for him. Well, I thank you for joining me today. Next week, again, we're going to look at the deity of Jesus. Today, we talked about the humanity of Jesus. Next week, we'll talk about the deity of Jesus, fully God, fully man. Well, thank you again for joining me this morning. I hope you have a great rest of the day. And again, as you go through this week, remember Jesus loves you. And I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. May cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.